We are in Champions League, man. That was my Dilly din, dilly dong, come on. I will love it if we beat them. Love it. This is the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast with Gary Kearney. Hello, welcome to the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast. My name is Gary Kernane. This is the second episode of the Coaching Corner series where we take a specific aspect of the game and then go into depth and detail with our guests, limiting ourselves to 25 minutes. So the first one got rave reviews with Louis Lancaster on player development. This one is with Willie McNabb. He is the U16s Academy coach at Glasgow Celtic. He's also the International Academy Manager for North America. Very, very popular here in the US with his work at the convention. So was excited to get him on the show and talk about beating the low block. What happens when the opposition sit deep with numbers and you have to break it down. So Willie goes into great detail here. How to balance the system with creativity and freedom. What are the technical qualities needed to coach this also talks about defensive position and when attacking, uh, dealing with mistakes as a coach and then how do you get the repetition that you're going to need on the practice field for such a complex problem in the game. So absolutely brilliant insight from Willie. Love to hear your thoughts on this as always at Gary Kernin on Twitter, at Gary Kernin on Instagram. couple of announcements on the website. The new book is now available to pre-order, Coaching Your 433. It's out now, designed to challenge coaches to create a tactical system that suits both their players and their philosophy of the game. So I, I go through my personal experience over the past five years tactically and show concepts that I've learned and picked up from other coaches around the world. So really enjoy putting this together. Lots of ideas on sessions, design, exercises, tactical implementation not just about taking a433 but more how to create your own so yeah really really enjoyed it it's available now for pre-order modernsoccercoach.com and then also just announced for any coaches who are going to chicago for the convention in january i'm getting together with the one and only dan abrams for the first ever modern soccer coach podcast roadshow event so we're going to be at the first draft pub in Chicago and we're going to spend the night there at 8.30 on January 10th. We're going to have some special guests. We're going to do a little bit of discussion, debate, Q&A, get everyone involved as well. So it should be a great night. So there's limited seats available and you can go and get yours at the links are on all our social media pages, MSC Education or Gary Kernane. So look forward to seeing all the coaches in Chicago. That should be a great night. So Thanks for listening, as always. Let me know what you think. Here's Willie. Enjoy. Willie, thanks so much for joining me tonight for the Modern Soccer Coach podcast. Very excited to have you on. Oh, thanks very much, Gary. It's, um, it's great to be on. I'm, I'm an avid listener of the of the podcast, so thanks very much for having us a, uh, take part. A legend in the in the US scene for your convention time, so I know a lot of, a lot of people are going to be listening and excited. So, right, we've got 25 minutes, and we're going to take a, a section of the game here on the Coach's Corner, so... We're going to look at breaking down a low block. So many possession teams run into the problem of playing against teams who park the bus, as we say, and then complain about why they don't win the game. 
So you've taken, uh, I've seen a presentation on Inspire with where you've done an incision zone and you, I know you've done a presentation at the convention as well on it. Was the process for you taking such an intentional approach? Was this a club vision at Celtic or was this more of a personal philosophy? Um, it was a bit of both. Gary, um, we're obviously very fortunate to have Brendan Rodgers um, as a first team manager at Celtic and um, he'd spoken about this um, type of area. You know, this area kind of 40 yards from goal and and how you can break down a, a low block. Um, so it was something that I was instantly attracted to. I, I really liked the idea of um, how you can break down an opposition who's willing to do that and kind of looking at the ways you can dribble, pass, combine to to get in there. So I think it was taking that idea, Gary, and then, and then looking at how you could implement it um, for youth players uh, to become part of a, a kind of wider curriculum, but how you could break it down and then build it back up for the players to easily understand, making sure that they know where it is in the pitch, um, understanding that how we can use certain movements, certain uh, kind of patterns, some, some a whole lot of creativity within that final third. Um, but ultimately then looking to break into this finishing zone, which is in around sort of 20 yards out. So it was um, it was just creating that little bit of magic um, within this area. And I must admit, it was it was really interesting. Uh, at, the, at the time I did the presentation, I looked at the, the stats from the Champions League um, and it was really interesting looking at the stats and the trends from the kind of biggest club competition in Europe and how that was kind of sort of trickled down into the players that you're developing at your club as well. So I, I would say it was a bit of both, Gary, kind of looking at what the gaffer had spoke about at the club, but then taking that idea and, and really developing it into to something that your players could understand. Yeah, I'm fascinated on how the the almost the team structure of doing this as a team and then fitting it into the individual technical qualities that you need. I remember in the summer I was... I had to go to the airport to pick up my wife and just as the England match finished when they got knocked out of the World Cup, mm-hmm. it was Chris Waddle and the guys on the BBC radio were talking about how they're going to need special players to break down these compact defences. And yep, wondering where your thoughts are for, like, do you need special players or what type of individual technical qualities do coaches need to break down these these low blocks? Yeah, and, and it was really interesting, Gary. You, you saying that I, I was in the I was in the US um, almost a year ago to the day. And I was doing a workshop and I'd asked these the coaches to get together, and I said um, I think they broke off into about um, eight different groups and asked them to come up with a theme for for their session and design a, a session from that. And every single one of them picked possession. And I'm thinking, right, I get that that that's an important part of the game, but. Where are we developing these top players who can unlock defences? Um, when I speak to my players and I say to them, name of the best players in the world, they tend to speak about the guys like Modric or yeah, Messi, Suarez, these top, top players who can who can unlock defences. So I think if you're playing against that, particularly a low block and, and they're, they're super compact, um, you're probably going to have space that's going to allow you to get around the outsides. Now, if that's your full-backs or whether it's your wingers, I think it's then having someone that's can can have the qualities of taking people on. Because what you want to do is try and break that low defensive block. And, and, and the two ways that you can do it um, is by engaging them one versus one and pulling someone out. That then, by you doing that, allows the 
to create spaces for other people, but disjoints them a little bit, so they have to move in behind. So I think you can keep all this possession, you can be patient, you can be progressive with your possession, but it then becomes ultimately a point in time where you have to ramp up the possession. Now we speak about, I actually did the session, the incision session tonight, um, literally about an hour ago, and we spoke about the run making the pass. So even if it's someone making a run, it's just going to disjoint the opposition. They're not going to get the ball, but it can create for someone else. So I think if you can build up into that area to get a winger or a fullback, and we look at the modern day fullbacks, they're, they're probably more offensive minded. You have to have that little bit of creativity that's you can beat someone, you can destroy them in a one versus one situation. So um, I think that's got to be a, a big part of a, of a player's development, Gary. And I, I just thought that was interesting when I'd spoken to these group of coaches, it was all possession based. And that's great. It's a big part of the game. But you just need that that technical quality where you can someone who can take the ball in a tight area, who's comfortable at taking an opponent on either in front of them, at the side of them, behind them. And just recreating those those different scenarios for a player that how can you beat an opponent when they're behind you? Um, how can you beat an opponent when they're at the side when you're, when you're taking them on down the line? Or maybe when you've got them faced up in front of you, can you stand them up? Maybe a little step over or a little bit of disguise to go inside. So I think that becomes hugely important, Gary, particularly if you can build up into that incision zone. Then we need to change the tempo. That's when we need the creative spark, but also having the, the tactical organisation behind the ball. Yeah, I think you answered my next question where I, w- I wanted to get your thoughts on that. That Terry Henry video about breaking down Pep's philosophy at Barcelona and he talked about the final third, he allowed them creativity and freedom and balancing that there, freedom with, at the youth level, it's not necessarily, right boys, going ahead, do whatever you want to do. You have to balance that yeah. with technical structure. Is that constant work on the training field or, or how do you do that? Yeah, it is. It, it, it's been a, a huge focus of, of, of certainly mine over the last few weeks of working with the, the U16s, speaking about the kind of moments of the game and in particular defensive transition. We speak about um, being in a good defensive position when you're attacking. So understanding when you get into this incision zone, when you get into the final third, there's a high probability you're going to turn the ball over um, because of the compactness of the opposition. But then it's the structure in behind that. We call it suffocating the opposition. Be ready to jump, be ready to, to suffocate the opposition. As soon as they win possession back, you can't allow them to breathe. And ultimately, if you force them into mistake, they kick the ball long, you need to be in a position, Gary, to then pick up that loose ball. And as soon as you do that, it's another wave of pressure. And it's constant pressure into them. Now, when you're working with youth players, um, they don't all, they'll maybe get the concept really well for a couple of weeks and then they'll drop off it. Um, we've saw that ourselves in, in the last couple of weeks, but just having that repetition. So allow, although you're, you're still allowing that creativity, I think it's still important to have that tactical organisation behind the ball. Because um, we speak about when we're defending, being in a good position to attack. When we're attacking, being in a good position to defend. So, yeah, have that freedom within the final third. Give me a quick solution, but be in a position that we can suffocate the opposition on the way back out. Big topic for coaches on your presentation on the Inspire. You've got unopposed passing and movement patterns, yep. which always gets a great debate on, on social media. How important is it when equipping these players with decision-making solutions to, to run through it unopposed? Yeah, and I see this debate all the time, Gary, and I think soccer, football in general, is one of those sports that everyone has an opinion on. 
for me, there's not a right way or a wrong way. It's the way that works for you. And um, I recently did a passing exercise a couple of weeks ago that was opposed. And I did one tonight that was unopposed. Um, when I'd done this incision passing one, it was it was introduced to the players, first of all. It was new to them. Um, and I wanted them to get a feel for what we were trying to do. Um, but slowly but surely, as we started to get a feel for it, then we started to add in the opposition. Um, I, I did that again tonight. We actually worked with the, the U15s and 16s together. I've never worked with the U15s before. So I basically just stripped everything back for them, allowed them to get a feel for it, and started to build in some little combination play. So I think when you do an opposed exercise and you say, I want you to pass from A to B to C, then understand that doesn't happen in a game. But with that incision zone one, when you start to put relationships into it, so as a wide player and a fullback, there's almost a decision-making element from the man in possession because if the wide player comes in off the side into little half spaces and the fullback goes a little bit wider, he has a decision to make based on the position of those players. So is one of them offside? Is, is one of them maybe too far forward that he can't find them? So there's an element of decision-making within that. Although it was unopposed, the man in possession of the ball, the player in possession of the ball, still had to make a, some sort of decision. So, yeah, I, I do think that the players have to make decisions, particularly when you go into your rondos and your, um, maybe your game-related practices and your games. There's decision-making elements all over the place. But I think if you want to bed down a principle or idea of what you're wanting to do, I think unopposed is fine, particularly with the younger players. Um, if you're working with really young kids and you put defenders in straight away and they don't quite get it and it keeps breaking down, you don't want to turn that player off to something, particularly when you put a defender in, Gary, because I always sometimes I'm, I am a defender and I always think it's easy to defend than it is to attack. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a it's a preference of what you like on a pose versus a pose. It's a, I do see it. it makes me chuckle sometimes, the, the, the debate that people have over it, but I think it's your preference. Um, and if you want to... Um, layer that through a, a, a kind of progressive curriculum for the players, but that was the whole idea why why I did that passing unopposed. Gary was it was the first kind of introduction to it through the players, but I still had an element of decision making for the, the player in possession of the ball because we had a relationship on the pitch. It seems that top coaches around the world are now looking at different approaches to refining that plan A. So everyone loves saying these commentators, well, we need a plan B, but. That's basically just lump it in the box. What have you seen from Brendan Rodgers in his time at Celtic? Because I imagine every week, similar to a team like Barcelona, they're just faced with a team that's that's basically lesser resources and that's going to try and hit them on the break. Yeah, you, you do see that um, quite regularly, even sometimes at youth level as well, Gary. But um, something that, that Brendan Rodgers said to us was, um, the quicker the ball goes forward, the quicker the ball comes back at you. Um, so be patient on your build-up. Um, I, th I do like the idea of refining plan A. This is our style of play. It's almost like when, when teams play against us at youth level and the scary thing is that they know exactly what to expect. They know how we're going to play, but we have different ways to, to combat different teams in the style that they play against us. I was speaking to a man called Jim McGuinness. Um, I don't know if you're, you'll be aware of Jim, Gary. Yeah, Donegal um, legend. Yeah, he is, and, and a wonderful man as well. He was um, spent some time at Celtic, and, and I remember speaking to Jim in the corridor of Lennox Town for 10 minutes, and two and a half hours later, we were still there, and 
he, he told me something and it stuck with me and, and it's something that I've tried to do in my coaching was that he would have a style of play and he would almost take a step back from it and think on it as an opposing coach. How would he stop his team from playing? And once he had that game plan sorted, he would then have another game plan to counteract that. So when, when he had these players in the GAA playing and then the opposition coach would fight, figure out the way to stop them, Jim then would just have another way of breaking that. And before you knew it, the game was finished. And and I, and I really like that. So it's almost kind of having that refining plan A. And it's something that's always stuck with me. That was maybe about maybe two years ago. I spoke to Jim and, I, and it's, it is a lot of time. Gary, don't get me wrong, you're wrong. You need to put a lot of time and thought into it with your assistant coaches and your, your staff at your team. But... I think it really helps the players going back to that problem solving. Um, if you have a problem which is solved by the opposition, you're ready to give them another problem. And by the time they solve that, it's too late. What Jim's almost saying there, right? It's almost that you you need to be a step ahead of the next progression of what's stopping you to get the next solution. For the That's what evol- evolution is. Yeah, absolutely. And if, if, if you look at... Jim, in, in, in terms of the GAA, um, I hope he doesn't mind me saying this, but he was almost, almost like the Pep Guardiola of GAA. Oh, he changed the game, yeah. yeah. Oh, in, in, incredible with, with what he'd done, and he gave us a little bit, bit of an insight of what he'd done with, with Donegal. And I think if you genuinely want to be the best and, and continually strive to be the best, um, you, you want to, to challenge yourself and, and take yourself out of that comfort zone. And if you want to stay in it as a coach and and just be happy and stay within the norm, and, and then that's com- that's completely fine. But when you look at guys like Pep, Sir Alex, Jose Mourinho, all these top top coaches, um, they've got that internal intrinsic motivation um, of wanting to get better, um, and and I, and I really like that. And when you've got a guy like that who's got the willingness to share, then I'm pretty sure kind of guys like myself and, and other coaches are, are are willing to do that as well. It's the only way you're going to learn and, and ultimately your players will get the benefit from that. I, I think Gary and I've, I've put myself in really difficult situations and courses in, in certain situations where I didn't really know the answer and the only way I found out the, the solution to it was being in there and, and, and one way that I always approach my work is there's, is there's never a problem only solutions and that, that, I try to look at that in my everyday life as well. There'll, mm. there'll be problems getting thrown up, but I don't see it as a problem. Try and find a solution to it. And for me, that it, it, it can only benefit you, not only as a, as a coach, but also as a person as well. Mm, definitely. Definitely. Um, last couple, we had a common complaint Saturday Twitter. If you, you're unlike me and you stay away from it, we had so <laughs> many chances and we couldn't score. Uh, we we were the better team and I missed two chances and they whatever. We hear it every week. But what's you know, if you talk about those creative players and, and breaking them down. I even heard Gary Neville this morning talking about Spurs, the difference between Spurs and City last night. Spurs had three chances, missed them. City had had one chance and scored it, and that was the game. But what advice do you have for coaches, or what work do you do at Celtic on getting those? forwards to take those opportunities, those key moments. Yeah, and, and you're absolutely right on the game last night. I just when you see Sterling and, and cutting that ball back for, for Mares, clinical, absolutely mm. clinical. And I think that's the fine margins when you're working with your players, Gary, as well, and, and, and getting them to understand that the higher the level you go, the, the better opposition, or even the older you get, 
going through your player development, um, those chances become few and far between, and it's about being clinical in those situations. And if you watch that goal last night in, in the trends of the modern game, most of the goals are coming from kind of these areas where it's cutbacks, mm. it's cutbacks, it's in the six yard box, maybe around about the, the sort of penalty spot. Um, even when you look at crossing now, um, most crosses are, are coming from in and around the penalty box, and it's mainly cutbacks. So I, I know it's always hard to try and predict. And I heard Pep Guardiola asked this question the other day, what do you think the modern game is going to look like? And he said, no idea. Um, we just probably know that the game's going to keep evolving. It's going to keep getting quicker. But I think when you when you look at the trends just now, um, that incision zone that we speak about, Gary, if you think about the incision zone, the ways to break that down, run. So if you can get a wide player who can make a run in behind a fullback, and receive the pass, which is another way to do it. They're probably going to be in penalty box, but um, on the byline. So when you get that, it's cutbacks. So then you're, you're, the information to your strikers, you look at Mares. he arrives really late into that position. He's moving at speed, um, and he doesn't really need to put anything on the ball. He just redirects it. It's about being a little bit calm, a little bit composed in there. We, we do a lot of our stuff. We, we're fortunate enough, Gary, and you work with our players each morning as part of our school project. And on a Thursday morning, um, we dedicate to, to those kind of final third entries. And, it, and it's trying to replicate what they would do in a game. Um, cutbacks. Um, and speaking about that movement in the middle of the box. And, and sometimes you don't even have to move very much. Um, we, we, had a, we had a player called Henry Larson at Celtic a few years ago who was sensational at just moving at one yard and tap-ins and, and little headers. So um, we, we work a lot on the offensive side at Celtic, but as I said earlier on, when we're talking about the offensive side, <clears throat> it's about the tactical organisation for the defending behind that. So I say to my players, be calm, be composed. Uh, even Gary, information to your strikers about on your build-up, stay offside. I think there's a crazy stat somewhere, like Luis Suarez has scored like 25 or 30% of his goals for Barcelona, starting in an offside position. He just plays in behind the centre-backs and they almost get a, a third-man run from midfield. So by the time you maybe release a, a messy type player, when they're getting into that zone, they're cutting a ball back for Suarez, who's already beyond the defensive line. So defenders have got absolutely no chance to get him back in there. So we sometimes say to our strikers, stay away, stay in little pockets. You don't need to run about daft. Just be patient. And as soon as we can release that third-man run, particularly in the wide areas in that incision zone, then that's when you become alive and, and just be calm and composed and stay calm. That's the two words we say to our players all the time. Stay calm in those situations. Brilliant. Hundreds of coaches will now be telling their kids to stay offside, will they? <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. Last one for you. You mentioned attacking organisation there. I see it a lot, especially when you see coaches scribbling their notes and they take notes from coaching courses and I'm, yeah. I'm starting to cringe a little bit when I see it because it's it's clinical six attackers versus five defenders fixed two wide goals in the transition just a bland session mm -hmm. you know when you're talking about this incision zone and you're talking about the importance of creativity and freedom of expression or freedom of skill do we need to be a little bit more freedom with our session design yeah, I, I think so. I think there's, there's Gary, there's so much out there at the moment. You can literally go on any sort of social media website and you'll find a million coaching exercises and 
you see these guys that will brand them up and say, oh, off the press, Pep Guardiola's 10 sessions to make a team play like Man City and, and like give us a break. Um, I think you can take ideas from it, but I think ultimately, I like to use the game. Gary, I, I was I was looking back um, today, the game that we played on Sunday, um, and looking at them particularly defensively. Um, we conceded a goal, which I thought was um, particularly poor uh, in the full-back and centre-back areas. And then taking snippets of that game, and almost putting them onto paper and say, right, how how can this be kind of realistic to the game? So, I I hate I hate to see if I, if I'm if you're working on defending, you need to stretch your team. You you can't have mm. six defenders against five attackers because you'll win all the time. You can't have it in tight areas because it's just going to be too easy. It's how can you stretch that? So we would maybe do things that involve a lot of transition. Uh, I love the, the those moments of the game that um, we maybe work on the build-up phase. Um, and while we're building up, there's maybe a, a group of players who have a ball each. And as that other team's building up, you shout one player's name and all of a sudden they come out with the ball. So your defensive organisation is really unorganised. How do you defend against that um, and involve multiple transitions within it? I really like to take... Um, the, the sort of end game of my session and, and then chunk it up within there and almost kind of strip the session back. So I'm, I'm a big believer that the, um, the the drill or the exercise doesn't make the session. It's the information that makes the session. Um, so it can be the, the jazziest session in the world, but it's maybe getting no relevance or the coaching points um, weren't to the point for the players. So... Yeah, I would say to coaches, try and be creative with what you're doing. Um, but at the same time, um, just make sure you have a, a kind of clear plan of what you're trying to do. Don't overcomplicate it. There's, Gary, you'll see it. See some of the jargon that's getting used just mm-hmm. now. Um, it's just buzzwords, honestly. And, and, and it's, it's what's in trend at the moment. For me, I use terminology that I understand and that I can explain it clearly to the players for them to understand. If I don't understand it, how can I expect the coach, yeah, the, the players to understand it? So, yeah, I think for coaches out there, don't lift and lay stuff straight off the internet. You might see a, an exercise and say, I really like that, but I can tweak it to suit my players and, and, and maybe my philosophy style. So, yeah, I, I think we, we need to be creative as coaches. If we get bogged down with the bog standard stuff and that's just the way we do it, then your creative juices won't flow and it won't inspire the players either. Where do you draw your inspiration from? A lot of the people that I, I kind of work with on a day-to-day basis, if I'm being honest with you, Gary, we, we've got a lot of good people at the club. I've got a lot of people that I respect out with the club. Um, and I probably have ch- chats on a day-to-day. Actually, just before you called me there, I was, I was speaking with one of the coaches, um, who's the under-18s coach, Greg Robertson, and then... Um, he was telling me about his session they did this morning, um, and we were giving each other some kind of feedback on it, and it was um, it was really kind of inspiring me as well. Um, I like to look at guys like um, Guardiola and these guys, but I don't want to be like anyone, Gary. Um, if there's one person that I could be kind of like, would be a guy called Tommy Burns, um, who used to be the manager of Celtic, former player and, and former head of youth who unfortunately passed away a number of years ago but he's the one guy that I've came across and went if I could be half like him I would be really really happy and I think Brendan Rodgers takes a lot of 
um, sort of characteristics from Tommy as well. So um, always like to to try and push myself. Uh, I, I don't necessarily look at <clears throat> guys who are out there doing stuff just now. I think your peers who you work with. Uh, I, I take a lot of kind of comfort from that, Gary. Brilliant, brilliant. No, he really, really appreciate it. Fantastic. No worries. No problem. Uh, it was uh, good to come on. Thanks so much to Willie for his time and his insight there. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. I love that chat. The detail that Willie goes into is phenomenal, as is his timing. I told him we were shooting for 25 minutes and he got us to 24 minutes and 47 seconds. And anyone who knows me knows that that's definitely nothing to do with myself. So uh, quality, absolutely quality. Love the, the technical points and how intentional he is with his training, his session design the situations that he's trying to create with his team that are linked towards the games that they're playing every every weekend. But what stood out for me were two things. Number one was his personal philosophy just on life that he said, you know, he, he doesn't see problems, he just sees solutions. And that really made me think about, you know, when we're coaching how much of, how we view the game or the challenges that we come up against uh, when times are hard, how much of our views on life reflect or impact that there and and for breaking down a low block yeah if, if you view that there as here we should have won the game we had 95 percent possession they just hoofed it long scored on the break and we lost one nil and life's not fair and that's not the way the game should be played or you could be you know we we've created situations here and and we've got to find solutions towards them and i think there is a big big correlation between coaches who are optimistic looking for solutions rather than focusing on the problems i think those coaches when it comes to the tactical side of the game do a little better and find the answers a little bit quicker than people who maybe point fingers at the opposition coach or maybe the this the pitch or the referee or whatever it is but i thought that was a really really nice little insight to how willie coaches and how he views life and then kind of along those lines then the humility piece that, and I talk about nearly in every guest, how humble they are, how that reflects in, in the way they talk and the way they communicate, how important that is for a coach. But for Willie just to say that he learns more from his peers and he, you know, he has access like the rest of us do. We can get Pep Confidential, we can go on all these books and, and we should be reading them, but they shouldn't be the greatest influences on us. The people that should be influencing us the most should be the people that we're connected to every day. And that is players, that is other coaches, that is staff members. And I think that, yeah, if, if something is really, really complex, and this game is really complex, then sometimes the answers may be a little bit closer to us than we sometimes think. Uh, and that definitely, definitely made me think. So really inspiring how well he views the game. And like I said, his detail into how he presents his sessions and how he plans and goes through that process is absolutely brilliant. So really enjoyed that we'd love to hear your thoughts we'd love to hear what resonated with you what you enjoyed what you agreed with maybe what you didn't agree with uh, anything at all yeah let me know at gary Kernin on twitter at gary Kernin on instagram uh, always love to hear from coaches and really appreciate you listening to the podcast thanks so much have a great week bye thank you for listening to the modern soccer coach podcast for more coaching topics sessions and resources Head on over to Coach Kernine on Facebook or visit the website at www.modernsoccercoach.com.